When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Welcome to a DTNS special interview edition. I'm Tom Merritt, and today we're going to be talking about RFID. Joining me to discuss it is Jordan Frith, the incoming Pierce Professor of Professional Communication at Clemson University. Professor Frith, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, you've written a couple of books on mobile technology, uh, you, so you, you, you know RFID a little bit, right? Yeah, so my first two books were actually about smartphones, and I got into RFID about three years ago, and I have a book that just came out on MIT Press just about RFID. Excellent. Uh, let's start with RFID itself. I, I imagine most of our audience knows it's the little thing on my phone that can make payments possible, or maybe on my credit card or in my passport. What is RFID? So RFID is an umbrella term for this like large suite of technologies, and it refers to radio frequency identification. And the way it works is you have a tag of some sort, and the tags can be in just about anything. They can tag items in the supply chain. Like you said, you have one in your passport. If you do electronic toll roads, that's an RFID tag. And the tag contains a string of data, which then when it passes by an RFID reader, the reader activates the tag, and the tag transmits the data back to the reader. So they're kind of found all over the place, but really fundamentally, they're about identifying objects or bodies through the data contained on a tag. And they're small, and they can be incredibly small. They, they've been attached to ants before, things like that. Oh, yeah. So they can range from larger tags, like I said, on a windshield that can transmit from about 12 feet to tags as small as a grain of rice, like if you have a pet that is microchipped, mm. that's RFID. So they can be super tiny. Some people inject them in their body, or they can be larger stickers. They're kind of varied depending on the use. Give us a little idea of how RFID came about. How was it developed? So RFID has its roots in radar technology because most RFID tags are what's called passive. So like I said, they don't have a battery most RFID tags. There are some active tags, but most tags are passive. They don't have any internal power source. They are an antenna that is sitting in an off state or passive. And when they pass by an RFID reader, the tag is activated by the um, 
electronic field, the radiomagnetic field emitted by the reader, and the tag reflects the data back to the reader. So kind of like the backscatter approach in radar, and that's kind of the roots of where the technology came out of. And they actually started being developed in the 70s and 80s, and it's kind of progressed since there. So it's actually an older technology, but one that really is now starting to come to fruition. Is it just the fact that we are all more comfortable with carrying small computers in our pockets that helped it proliferate? Or or was it the fact that that we were able to get better at technology and and, and made it smaller and more useful? What, What was it that made it from the 70s until now before it became so widespread? So I think it was a couple of things. One, um, it kind of proliferated in different industries at different periods. So for toll roads, for example, the first of those came up in the late 80s, and those are kind of everywhere. Um, The first subway card with RFID was, I think, in Korea in the mid-90s, and those are kind of everywhere. But as far as RFID in the supply chain, that was something people really started coming up with in the late 90s. And it's like only now starting to come more to fruition, like tagging individual items. And part of that is that tags have improved greatly. And also there's um, increased techniques for analyzing the massive amount of data that billions of tags can produce. So it's a combination of actual RFID technology with people coming up with more uses and more advanced ways of actually using that technology. How much data can you store on an RFID? How much can it handle? So it depends on the tags. You have some active tags that have a battery, and they can actually store a lot of data. Mm. But those are in the vast minority. Most tags are passive tags. And they can contain – it depends, once again, on the tag. But the big shift to kind of understand why it's important is comparing them to barcodes, which are kind of the most important antecedent um, automatic identification technology. So the most popular barcode standard in retail are the UPC and EAN, which is 12 and 13 digits, whereas the electronic product code used with RFID is, I think, like 92 digits. Hmm. So it's um, like it's still not a large amount of data on most tags. Most of them are serial numbers, but it's a massive increase in data that is enough to really come up with numbering combinations to uniquely identify mm-hmm. like tens of billions of objects compared to barcodes that just don't have that power. Gotcha. And, and you know, I was about to make a joke about enough to store my dog's name, but it's really not storing the name. It's storing a number that can then be identified with a record that can have lots of data associated with it. Yeah, and that's how your toll tag works. Like, there's no payment data, for example, in a toll tag. The toll tag is a serial number, which when you drive by an RFID reader at 70 miles per hour, it um, transmits that number and the number deducts the fee from your account, that type of thing. So it's often much more a serial number that grants access to data than storing data on the card. Though in some cases they do that, but not as many because it's kind of more inefficient. We've mentioned a lot of the uses for this, uh, including the ones that people are familiar with. Uh, What what are some other uses of RFID that we may not have thought of? So um, RFID is used for pharmaceutical authentication. That's an interesting one because you can uniquely identify individual like pill batches. One of the biggest growing uses and the one that the RFID industry is most excited about is what's called item level tagging, which is actually tagging 
individual items and giving them unique identification numbers, which might not sound like much, but the way barcodes work in, say, a grocery store is that a barcode identifies a class of item. Mm -hmm. So a barcode identifies a six-pack of Coke as a six-pack of Coke, for example. But with RFID tags and item-level tagging, it can identify that six-pack of Coke as unique from all other six packs of Coke, which is a pretty big shift and has led to changes in inventory practices as it's begun to be adopted in some wings of retail, like by Lululemon and Macy's and Tesco and companies like that. Well, so, and then there's, oh, sorry. No, no, so um, I, was, I was just going to ask. So, so in other words, it could not just tell me it's a bottle of Coke, but it's a bottle of Coke that has the name Jane on it that was bottled in you know Savannah, Georgia on a particular date or something like that. For sure. So that's one of the big things about it, too, is especially with near-field communication, which is um, the thing you use through your phone, which is a type of RFID, basically. Mm. It works at the same frequency as a subway card or anything like that, high-frequency RFID. Some really high-end products have begun to be tagged with NFC tags so that you can read them with your phone to then get more information about the item. So some high-end wine um, wineries will tag bottles of wine that you can scan with your phone to authenticate the vintage and things like that. Mm. So it's beginning to shift slowly, at least for more expensive items, towards some more consumer-based uses. What is the difference between near-field communication and RFID? So near-field communication, the way I talk about it in my book is near-field communication is kind of a type of RFID. Like, it's not a fundamentally different thing, except that near-field communication, one of the differences is, so with RFID, I talked about how you have a tag and a reader. With NFC, you have a phone, but the phone can act as both a tag or a reader. Mm. But functionally, it's the same kind of technology as, say, a subway card or a contactless credit card, Mm -hmm. which is why you can sometimes use them interchangeably depending on how someone designs a system. It works at a high-frequency range. It's kind of the same technology, just with a shift to your phone and kind of more bidirectional. But you can think of it as kind of a type of RFID. Okay. All right. So thinking of RFID and the fact that you were mentioning earlier that it is a serial number, uh, I would assume that unless you have access to the database where that serial number tells you what it's associated with, uh, you can't find out much directly from an RFID. That said, there's all these stories about why passports need to have some protection on the outside to prevent bulk scanning even in the mail. People buy wallets with you know liners inside that can prevent RFID scanning. Is there a risk to using RFID? So there is definitely some risk. Um, some of the risk, especially with um, credit cards, though, is kind of overstated. So part of that is because people have improved the systems. So the first batch of contactless credit cards often weren't encrypted, and with an RFID reader, you could get the data pretty easily. But now they're much more secure. And there's also a question of effort and reward. A lot of contactless credit cards, which are much bigger in Europe, in the US, they never took off, but in Europe and Asia, they're all over the place. A lot of them limit the um, purchases you can make with them. So they have maybe a $30 cap, a $50 cap, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And they encrypt the data. So Often it's one-time use. So even if you were to skim a credit card, it would be for $30, $50, that type of thing before it would stop working. And also, like, not to be kind of dystopian and scary, but if people want credit card information, 
it's not that hard to find. <laughs> and an actual – well, no, but like that's like kind of a big deal about it is you have RFID blocking wallets, but you also have consumer protection agencies that have never had reported cases of people actually skimming it and using the data. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that reason is – it's a lot more effort to physically be near someone and skim RFID data to use a card one time than it is for some people that, quite frankly, if you wanted people's credit cards, you can buy them in batch for very cheap oh, yeah. from some like disreputable sources. So I think it's partly just like it's a harder thing to do. It's much easier to collect a big batch of credit cards from a database from an insecure hotel chain than it is to go around trying to scan people's pockets. Yeah, and so... An RFID blocking wallet might make someone feel better, but partly that's because that's something you can actually do, mm-hmm. whereas you really have little control over whether the many places that have my credit card information get hacked or not. But yeah, I mean, there are some worries about it, for sure. Um, there's also worries about when you buy RFID products, if they're scanned um, and can be tracked by people. So your toll tag, for example, every time you pass a reader – Often at 70 miles per hour, um, it collects that serial number, and that serial number is linked back to you, which as long as they're actual tolls you know you're going through are fine. But there was um, a thing the New York ACLU did where they drove through and they actually designed a system that could tell when the system was being pinged, and they found that the city of New York was – putting up readers and collecting people's data as they drove by without telling them as part of like traffic patterns. So there are risks of things like that where your data could be pinged. Um, They're maybe not as dystopian as some people would have you believe, but there are certainly some concerns. Sure. And, And so there's a couple of different vulnerabilities we're talking about here. One is getting the information from the RFID because either there was no encryption or the encryption was easily cracked. In, that, in those cases, though, if I understand this right, you can't get a lot of information. You might be able to get a credit card number uh, because that can fit, but mostly you're, you're, you're limited in what kinds of information can be stored in an RFID, right? Yeah, and most systems don't store that much data. Mm-hmm. So if you got my toll tag or my subway card or something, you're really just getting a serial number, mm-hmm. which functionally doesn't give you like access to my account most of the time or anything like that. Now, I mean, the one worry, I guess, if you imagined a super dystopian world of RFID readers, is that account is linked back to you so you could track as it moved past different places. But no, like most of the time, if people skim the RFID data off my toll tag, they're just getting the number attached to my card, which is functionally not that much different than a license plate. Could they then fake your tag and get a bunch of tolls that you'd have to pay is that about it i mean hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model in the market. 
perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Could get? Probably. And they'd have to clone a tag and they'd have yeah. to do a bunch of other stuff. It would be a weird use of your time. Let me just say it that way. <laughs> to go a, through a bunch not, of $2 tags. Yeah. Like, I guess it would maybe be possible, but it would be a strange use of your time. Yeah. Not, not a lot of cost benefit going on in that particular yeah. situation. Again, um, because of the, 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 the amount of work involved, right? It's not, a, it's not like internet's stored situations where you can just massively collect them unless you break into the database of the toll agency, which is an entirely different situation. Yeah, that's an entirely different situation. I think the more pressing concern that people do worry about is the tracking rather than like the Mm -hmm. actual accessing accounts. Like there are school attendance systems that use it. And like kids will wear RFID bracelets so that as soon as they walk into a room, it transmits that identification number and basically takes attendance automatically. Now, the thing is, like, if you have that number and you can track people, then you can also access it through other RFID systems. So I think the concerns people often do have are focused more on tracking than, like, payment information and things like that. Not saying that that can't be a concern, but it's more about the tracking, I think. Right. So if if an RFID number is encrypted, it could be prevented from people who aren't supposed to be able to scan it from knowing what it is, correct? Yes, except that a lot of uh, cheaper, more simpler systems, especially with item level tagging and things like that, are not encrypted. So it's so we're we're at the same stage the internet was well and still is in a large extent where the ability to protect yourself is there it just was costly and annoying and so people didn't always put it in haven't always put it into place. Yep, for sure. And especially with item level tagging, so say I buy a pair of jeans and you track that pair of jeans, which once again would kind of be a weird thing to do, but people do write about this and they do worry about it. But Yeah, that tag is often not going to be encrypted. You could access the data on that tag. And it probably will not be encrypted anytime in the near future because once you start adding the cost of encryption, then all of a sudden that doesn't make any sense for a pair of jeans that might not cost that much in the first place. Right. So if you're in a very sensitive profession where someone might go to the trouble to try to track you around by your jeans, perhaps that's something to worry about. But it does seem to me like the biggest worry is from the company or organization that issued you the tag? Are they using it in the way they said they were using it, going back to your New York example? Oh, for sure. And there was a lot of fear, especially in the early days of item level tagging, because of a certain number of patents of people using it in ways that, like you said, was not actually like clear in the purchase. And there were worldwide boycotts about RFID, especially in retail in the mid-2000s. And I think to some degree, those did scare the industry into really 
taking privacy more seriously and restricting uses of tags. But once again, these tags are passive. They exist essentially in perpetuity. So they don't have batteries that like go away or anything like that. And when they're red, you don't know it. Like if you've ever walked by a sub through a subway turnstile with a smart card, it's not as if your card vibrates. Mm -hmm. So to some degree, you are trusting a bunch of organizations to not abuse the power they have to access data about you. And as anyone who kind of follows tech stuff knows, that can go pretty wrong depending on the organization, whether it's a government or a company. Yeah, there needs to be someone out there, a third party that's auditing them or putting pressure on them and making, you know, making sure that there's a little accountability for that sort of thing. And like you say, it's difficult if for people, for the average person to do that when they don't know when it's being read. I mean, it beeps on your transit tag when you go under a toll line, but it's built to do that. And it sounds like you can even subvert that if you want. Well, and it depends on the transit tag. Mm -hmm. I think it beeps on the easy pass, but in North Texas, where I currently am, before I go to Clemson, our tags don't beep. It's just a sticker. It's not even big like the easy tag. It's Uh just a sticker on our windshield. It doesn't beep at all. And because you can drive through at 70 miles per hour, like you can easily go through tolls without even realizing you're doing it. And there's no beep or any kind of like recognition of anything happening. How can we tell... If something has RFID on it, do we just have to rely on someone disclosing it? So, yes, kind of. I mean, to be honest, so there are NFC tags um, that have NFC sewn into, I think Dine Menswear was a company. They actually sewed it into clothing. So it can be sewn into clothing. It can be embedded in cardboard. If you go through your passport, your passport has an RFID tag. You'll never find it. It's like in one of the pages of a passport. Um, if you have a smart card, you'd have to literally take apart the um, plastic to see that there's an antenna. So it can easily be hidden in things because um, it can be flat. It can be super small. So you are kind of trusting it. But one important point I want to make is RFID works at different frequencies. So different types of RFID have different read ranges. So mm-hmm. – so, so that so, means that, that you, you, someone might have to be very close to read it? Yeah. So your toll tag, for example, or a tag in item-level tagging on a pair of jeans or a sweater, those are ultra-high frequency. They can be read from like 10 or 12 feet away, mm-hmm. which is how toll tags work. Um, high-frequency tags like in your passport or in a subway card or if you have a chip in your pet or some people inject chips, those are high-frequency, and those are generally about like two or three inches away. Mm. Which is a fundamental difference that I think some people, when they talk about privacy and RFID, confuse. Like your subway card is not being read from 15 feet away or else obviously subway turnstiles wouldn't work. (laughs) So the type of chip it is really does impact like the surveillance potential or how much you should worry about it. I could already hear uh, some people in our audience wheels turning about buying an RFID reader and how many frequencies they need in their reader so that they can scan all their things. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, and 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 yeah, I'm sure if if even if it's just you're doing it for a hobby, it might be interesting. Uh, but it, it, you know, la- f- final question to wrap this up. Uh, it sounds like there's not much to worry about, but it's good to be educated about the things that there are so you can keep an eye out. Yeah, I think there are certainly like some things to worry about because like you said, it is data that can be accessed without Mm -hmm. people knowing it. And it also is, especially in item level tagging, at a pretty early stage. 
So as it progresses, we'll kind of have to wait and see what happens. And there are emerging uses like implanted microchips. Like I said, some people implant Mm -hmm. microchips that worry a lot of people. So at this stage, I do think compared to, say, some of the levels of tracking we have on the internet or through smartphone technology, I do think RFID is rather mundane compared to that. But I do think there is potential for it to be abused. So I don't want to say there's nothing, but I do want to say tracking someone through an RFID tag is much harder than tracking someone through a smartphone that transmits their location data multiple times a minute. Yeah, if anything, it sounds like RFID is is just harder to take advantage of than other things right now. So until we fix all of them, <laughs> you, you yes. may want to worry about it less. I think that is a very good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Professor Frith, thank you so much uh, for helping us to understand this today. Really appreciate that. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. If people want to uh, find out your books or, or find out what you're doing, keep up with, with your work, where should they go? Um, on Twitter, I am at J.H. Frith. And my newest book is called A Billion Little Pieces, and it's published by MIT Press. Excellent. Uh, wherever fine MIT Press books are sold, go find it. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you again, uh, Professor Frith. Jordan Frith is the incoming Pierce Professor of Professional Communication at Clemson University. And we are the Daily Tech News Show, available at dailytechnewsshow.com, as well as supported to be able to do stuff like these interviews at patreon.com slash DTNS. Talk to you next time. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. You have enjoyed this program. <laughs> hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.